Welcome to the ministry of Smyrna Presbyterian Church. Founded in 1914, Smyrna Presbyterian Church believes in the Bible as the Word of God and so desires to preach, teach, pray, and sing that Word so as to know Christ and make Him known in our community, country, and world. We invite you to join us in that mission. Worship services are every Sunday at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Here now is our pastor, the Reverend Joel Smith. Amen. If you'll remain standing for the reading of God's word as it comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 3, just reading one verse today, that of verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Amen. Please be seated. Winston Churchill once attended a formal where there was several dignitaries. And these dignitaries were asked a question, if you could not be who you are, who would you like to be? And many said different figures of history, famous inventors, political leaders. But finally, the question came to Churchill. If I could not be who I am, who would I most like to be? He paused, then took his wife's hand in his and said, I would most like to be Lady Churchill's second husband. And then kissed the top of her hand. Gentlemen, that is what you call smooth. (laughs) But I wonder if Lady Churchill would have said the same about Winston. Because indeed, Churchill was an excellent leader, but he was not altogether a model husband. If you've read any biographies or if you've seen any movies, then you know that Churchill was bombastic, impulsive, and oftentimes all about Winston. As one English statesman once said, Churchill is 50% genius and 50% a bloody fool. And I think that carried over into his marriage as well. And yet the two remained married and made it work. Most biographers credit Winston's wife, Clementine, Clemmy, as he called her, as the stabilizing force in his life, the one that kept him on the rails, so to speak. And though their marriage was turbulent at times, there was a genuine love there. They balanced each other out, especially amidst some of the darkest times that our world has ever seen. And we could say with the two of them that they were stronger together than they would be separate. So much so that Churchill said that she has made my life and any work possible. And even went on to say my most brilliant achievement was my ability to persuade my wife to marry me. To which every man in this room should say, Amen. Yet I wonder, men, if your wife had to do it all over again. 
would you still be her choice? And that is a question that you may or may not want to ask. But I hope the answer would be yes, that through it all, through the challenges of life, that your wife has seen a leader, has seen a lover. Not a perfect one by any means, but a man that has her best interest at hand. A man that understands the high and holy calling of being a Christian husband. Because as we see from this passage this morning, this earthly calling, this very important earthly calling, has huge spiritual ramifications for yourself, for your wife, for your children, for your grandchildren, for generations to come. And so we will look at this single verse in two points this morning, the call of the Christian husband, and second, spiritual implications for husbands. First, the call of the Christian husband. As you remember, we've been seeing here in this section of First Peter that Peter is hitting upon several spheres. The civil sphere, the social or vocational sphere, and now the familial or family sphere. And yet he links them all to Christ. As we have seen in chapter 2, verse 21, he says that to this you have been called... At Christ, leaving you example so that you may follow in his steps. In other words, there is no place, there is no relationship, there is no status or identity that we can have that our Christian ideals and morals do not affect and altogether alter. Christ transforms the entirety of our lives. And he must. Therefore, there is no place that we can say, well, I can check Christ at the door when it comes to my work and my view of my boss or government and the view of the president of the United States or with my marriage and my spouse and my children. No, we must be thoroughly Christian in every aspect of life. This is what we call sphere sovereignty. That God is the sovereign over every area of life and every area of my specific life. Abraham Kuyper, a Dutch pastor and theologian and then statesman, once put it this way, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign of all, doesn't cry, mine That there is not one square inch that Christ does not say, that doesn't belong to me. No, all of it belongs to him. And so as we turn our attention to this subject of marriage, that's where we need to begin, is it not? That it's not my marriage, is it? Rather, it's the Lord's marriage that he's allowed me to enter into. That marriage is first and foremost instituted by God. We're married in the eyes of God, quorum Deo, before his face, and therefore he alone gets to define marriage. The state can recognize it, and they should, but they cannot redefine it. That is not their prerogative, because marriage was created by God. It is his. Therefore, he also regulates it by 
His commandments. And the more we live by those commandments, the better our marriages will be. Two weeks ago, as you remember, we saw that Peter gives this commandment to wives. It's actually the Holy Spirit through Peter. It says, wives, verse 1, be subject to your own husbands. There is to be godly, God-honoring submission. Not because women are less than men in any way, but rather because there is distinctions within the roles of marriage. And that is precious and beautiful in the sight of God. That you're not to submit to your husband because society tells you that you should or, or most likely tells you that you should not. Or you shouldn't even submit to your husband because necessarily he's worthy of such submission. No, you should submit to your husbands because Christ says that is how you are to be as a Christian wife. You submit out of reverence for Christ. And now today, men, the weight of the word of God falls upon you. I told you two weeks that it would. Now it's your turn this morning. And Peter and the Holy Spirit through Peter calls you to Christian conduct towards your wife. And notice this morning what it does not say. It does not say live with your wives with understanding as long as she submits to you in everything. Notice it does not say show honor to your wife as long as she honors you. In fact, there are no qualifiers here, are there? There are no strings attached. In verse 1, the scripture says, likewise, wives. And now here in verse 7, it says, likewise, husbands. In other words, we are to do these things because this is what we are called to do in Christ. Regardless if your wife does what she is supposed to do or not. That your obedience is not based upon her obedience. Your obedience is based upon Christ's obedience for you and your obedience to Christ. We have this phenomenon in our house. Maybe you have it too. That when we correct our children, the first words out of their mouth are, but... But my brother, he hit me or my sister took that from me. And we need to remind our children again and again that what your brother does or what your sister does never gives you the right to also do wrong. And we always need to ask that question. You need to be concerned with who? And the sheepish answer comes back with, Me, with myself. Well, parents, sometimes we have to drink our own medicine too, don't we? And that is tough. And so easily we can justify our actions, our behaviors, in the light of what our spouse has done to us. Oh, well, she did that to me, well, I'll show her. Well, she's not being so nice, so I'm going to be this way towards her. Or the million variations of that. And it all comes down to us being on the level of a four-year-old. 
Uh, Playground tactics don't work in your marriage, do they? And the reality is this, husbands. That if there's challenges in your home, if there's challenges in your marriage, if things are not as they should be, there's no finger that you should point outwards other than a finger pointed to yourself. That oftentimes your wife and your children are following your lead or sometimes lack thereof. And if your wife is not submitting to you, it may be because they do not see any submission in you. And you might say, well, wait a second, I don't need to submit. Oh, yes, you do. Your wife is not the only one that is called to submission. You are. You are called, first and foremost, to be submitted to Christ, to follow his example of servant leadership. But you're also called to submission in these other areas that we have been speaking of, to the civil authorities, to to your boss, or as we'll see in chapter 5, to the elders of this church. And so let me ask you this morning as we begin, men, do your wives see an example of submission in you? Or do they see you complaining about the government, grumbling against your boss, thinking that the elders of the church are boneheads and that the pastor can't preach, and then wonder why they are not following your stellar leadership? probably because they don't see a humble leader in you. And part of being humble is being gracious. It's being patient. Chiefly because you recognize that you are the chief offender. That you're in the greatest need of grace. The greatest need of patience and forgiveness. Men, if you can't say this morning, wife, please forgive me. For those words, forgive me for that action, the way that I treated you in that moment. If you can't confess your faults and your sins to your wife, then you're not submitting to the most basic of commandments of Christ. We're to confess our sins one to another. That includes your spouse. And so I tell you, ladies, especially single ladies in this church, Do not marry a man. Do not be submitted to a man that himself is not submitted. First to Christ and his word and commands, as we've said, but has shown submission. Shown submission in the home. That old saying that how a a man treats his mother is how he's going to treat you. I think that is true. How he's submitted to his bosses. And also how he has currently submitted himself to the church. Because you'll need your church, ladies. You need to be able to reach out to your church. And your church provides that spiritual protection for you, even in marriage, because what happens if you're in an abusive marriage? Or if there's a other host of problems, where do you turn to? You have nowhere to turn to if you're not a part of a church, if you're not a member in the church, if you don't have those elders that are looking out for you and for your family and for your children and and ultimately for your marriage. You have no protection, no course of action other than the courts. But if there are problems, if there are issues, you should be able to go to your elders. And so you want to be submitted to a man that is him, he himself submitted. And men, that should be true of you. 
that, that you should be men that want to be accountable. Be accountable to your wife. Be accountable to a church, to the Lord, and to his word. Men, our wives should be following our lead in submission and honor. Therefore, we need to be submitted ourselves. I think that's all wrapped up in that first word, likewise. But he goes on to say here, husbands, live with your wives. Dwell with your wives. In other words, there needs to be a priority upon your marriage. Men, we have a tendency to live for many things, for our career, for success, for notoriety, for freedom, for ourselves, for our children. But I think there's a few that would say that I actually live with and for my wife. But I think the scriptures would say that that's where we need to be. That's where we need to start. That's where we need to put our priority first and foremost. Obviously not over our relationship with the Lord, but our relationship with the Lord, as we'll see in this passage, is very closely connected to our relationship with our wife. John MacArthur says the Christian husband displays what he thinks of Christ by the way he treats his wife. I think that's true. If you make much of Christ, you'll make much of your wife as well. And so to dwell with, to live with, means to give attention to, to pay notice of. And let's be honest, men, that, that's not one of our strengths, is it? Most of our times, our marriage is not that, that blinking red light of, of need that grabs our attention until there's a problem. And then we, then we pay attention, and then we try to fix that problem. But then when the problem is fixed, what's our tendency? Our tendency is to drift back towards those places, those areas that we find success or find praise or find our worth. We need to find at least part of our worth in our marriage, first and foremost in Christ, but then with our wives that we live with, dwell with in love. Well, Peter goes on to explain how that is done, that we're to live with our wives with understanding. And we need to understand our wives. And men, we do a good job of this when we're dating. When we want to get to know this woman that has grabbed our attention. We want to know what she likes, what she dislikes, her, her personality, her sense of humor, her fears, her dreams. And yet then we get married and then we think, well, the prize has been won. The hunt is over. We can move on to other things. No, the scriptures would say to us, no, that, that never ends. In a sense, we are to be in the school of our wives for the rest of our lives. Discovering those new things about her or even just treasuring the old things that we already know. And as I said, that takes a lifelong pursuit because men, you are married to a very complex creature. I liken it to, in our home, we we have a a dog and we have a cat. Dogs, as you know, are, are very simple creatures. They have very basic needs. As long as those needs are taken care of, for the most part, they are good. But cats, they are 
They are complex. If you have cats, you know what I'm talking about. I never know what my cat needs or wants. I'm pretty sure my cat doesn't know what it needs or it wants. But the cat wants you to know what it needs or what it wants. For example, my dog paws at the back door. I know exactly what it needs. It needs to go outside. The cat paws at the door. I open the door. The cat looks at me and then walks away. Why? I don't know. That's cats, right? And the point is this, that I don't need to explain which one is like men and which one is like women. (laughs) Men are, for the most part, very basic creatures. Women, you are very complex, and it's probably because you're a lot more intelligent than we are. And we can give you that. But at times, at times, many times, You can also be quite confusing. You might say that's a woman's prerogative. We call it confusion. And yet, men, listen to this. We might want to throw up our hands in the air and say, who can understand women? But notice this. It doesn't say, men, understand all women. We can praise God for that. It says, understand your wife. The one woman that you need to understand in this world is your wife. And therefore, there is that need, that constant pursuit of discovering the uniqueness of what the Lord has given you. Her needs, her wants, her interests, goals, dreams, joys, sorrows, fears, problems, thought processes, desires, motivations, her spiritual gifts, even her temptations. Men, I'll give you a little insight into your wife if you don't know this already. Your wife craves relationship, not just with anyone, specifically with you. The one that she is created to be with. And therefore, in that relationship, they want to know that you know them. To dwell together in that type of Understanding, because in that type of understanding, there is intimacy emotionally and spiritually. And that takes time. It takes an investment. It takes an ear to hear and to listen, to discover those things. And like I said before, men, we are not wonderful at that. But this scripture would command us to, to live with your wives in an understanding way. As it goes on to say, to show honor to the women as the weaker vessel. And at times this is pointed at as a controversial verse. And I don't think it needs to be. Peter's not making a qualitative statement that, again, women are less than because they are weaker. No, I think he's making a comparative statement here. That in relationship to men... Comparing them to men, they are weaker, yes, but more, they are vulnerable in the sense of how they are made and the position that they are to put themselves in. 
That they are to submit to you as their husband. And let's be honest, that is a vulnerable place because within a hierarchy, there is always a sinful tendency towards abuse. Why do women not want to put themselves under something? Because they haven't seen an example of love and care. They've only seen an example where that is taken advantage of. And so men, if you are to have your wife be submitted to you, then you need to dwell with them to honor them as the weaker vessel. There's a sticker placed on them that says, handle with care. We're not to abuse the authority that God has given to us, but we're to honor them, to treat them well, to put something of a worth and value. As one commentator puts it, he likens it to two bowls. One a porcelain bowl and the other a copper bowl. Whereas they are both bowls, how you use them and how you treat them is entirely different, isn't it? And so how do you think of your wife? Is she a copper bowl or is she a porcelain bowl? Is she just a a mixing bowl or is she a fine china? Because we value those differently, do we not? The one there is just a dispensable use they're just there for a purpose, and that purpose oftentimes is, is, is for you. Whereas the other, there is some value there. There is worth. There is honor. And that's what the scripture is saying. Honor them, because there needs to be an esteem, a value, a worth given. And that is daily demonstrated in our actions, our behavior, our speech. Showing our wives that they are our greatest earthly possession. That we possess. Well, second, then there's spiritual implications of this in so many ways. We'll just look briefly at a, a few. Why do we do all of this? Well, as it says, it says, since they are the heirs with you of the grace of life, they are heirs with you. Think of that term. As I said last, uh, two weeks ago, we looked at this passage before. Women, I think, are the crowning jewel of creation. They are the mothers of us all. And therefore, they are due respect and honor because of who they are. But even more so as Christian women, they are daughters of God. They are heirs of the inheritance of that which has been purchased for them by the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, they are daughters of God. I don't know about you men, I don't know how you feel about your daughters, but I'll tell you, with my daughters, there is some holy jealousy there. And heaven help me if any man would take advantage of them or abuse them. And if that is true of us as fathers, as imperfect fathers, how much more so of a righteous and holy father? What are his feelings towards his blood bought daughters what value should we put on them in the light of what God almighty God has entrusted to us and I think we will be called to account with what we have done 
with our wives and in our marriage with this possession? Will he say to us in in relationship to our wife, as it says in Ephesians chapter 5, that you have sanctified her, that you have washed her with the word, that you have presented her without spot or wrinkle, that she is holy and without blemish. In other words, you have have bathed her with the, the scriptures, spiritually speaking, so that she's ready to be presented to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that you would say on the, the day of redemption, on the final judgment, look, this is her. The one that you have given to me. I've loved your daughter, my wife, even as you have loved her. I've nourished and cherished her. And will Christ on that day say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. I I hope so. Because the scriptures go on to give us a warning here. It says if you're not in good relationship with your wife, you're not in good relationship with the Lord. As it says there, it says so that your prayers may not be hindered. And I think that comes from Jesus' teaching that says if you have anything against your brother or sister, leave your offering at the altar and go and be reconciled in the closest relationship the the closest brother or sister that you have is your spouse and so God is saying if there is marital difficulties I don't want your worship at this time I don't want your prayers go back and make that right first confess your sins and your faults and and then come back and present your worship we don't want our prayers to be empty. Hypocritical. Because of poor marriages. And, and therefore, men, this is, this is why we need to have such a, a priority upon our, our homes. Why this is the highest spiritual calling that we will be called to in this life. That's why it says of, of officers of the church that they must manage their own household well because it goes on to say if they do not know how to manage their own household, how will they manage the household and care for the household of God? So often we can be asking, oh, oh Lord, what can I do for you? And the Lord will say to us, well, it begins at home. It begins with your wife. It begins with your kids. And so let us not neglect or take for granted this beautiful gift. The gift of our wife. The Lord has given you children. The gift of your children that dwell in our homes. May God allow us to take the advantage of the, the time that he gives us. If you ask any widows that are in this room, they'll tell you that the time goes quick. I'll conclude with this. On Sunday Evenings, I've been preaching through the book of Hosea. Hosea, as you know, was called to a a tough marriage. He was to be married to a, a wife that was and was going to be unfaithful to him. Because Hosea, as a prophet, his marriage was to be a visual sermon. It was to be a, a parable of what was going on in that current context. That Israel was being unfaithful to God. That they were running after other lovers. And yet what we see in Hosea is that God's love, God's faithfulness, never diminishes. Never goes away. Despite Israel's 
unfaithfulness. In other words, Christ laid down his life. Not for a perfect wife. Far from it. From a very unfaithful one. A sinful spouse. Namely, you and me. And yet he was faithful. And is faithful. And through his sacrifice, he has redeemed us. Men, he has redeemed us to be Christian husbands. Christ-like husbands that must follow his example. As Ephesians 5 would say, to us husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so may God grant us the grace and the spirit to take these words to heart, to, to lead, to serve, to love our wives as Christ has done unto us. And in the end, as I said before, may he say to us, well done, good and faithful servants, good and faithful husbands. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so appreciative of your grace and of your mercy because as we see a verse like this, we see how far we have fallen short of the ways that we are called to to love, the ways that we are called to serve those that you have called to us to serve and love the most, and that is our our wives, O oh Lord, and, and our families. And so, Lord, we pray that there would just be grace and peace in our homes, that there would be a, a loving leadership that follows the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, make us Christ-like husbands. I give of our lives for the sake of our wife, just as you have given your life for the sake of, of your wife, for the sake of your bride, the, the church. And Lord, we pray that you would grant this to us, not because we are worthy far from it, O oh Lord, but because of Christ who promised to give us the Holy Spirit to help us, enable us, to make us more like Christ. We thank you for that gift. It's in Christ Jesus we pray. Amen.